Welcome to the Rising Giants podcast with Max and Dom. Today we have a very special guest on the show, Riti Tool. He's an early tech pioneer within Cambodia, having worked at some of the leading tech development companies within the country, as well as launching his own venture capital firm and currently having just launched a, a blockchain technology company. We're really excited for this episode and hope you enjoy. What would be really interesting to begin with, just taking a step back, I think mm -hmm. for, as an observer, it's really easy to see um, in hindsight uh, the surface and, and think, wow, this is, must have been such an easy, easy journey for him to get to where he was and he was destined for greatness in the beginning. But um, it'd be really interesting to just hear like some of the... Uh, some of the early struggles that you went through getting to where you were today, like rewind back 10 years um, and tell us about kind of um, your, your, your journey into, in, into where you are today. Yeah. Okay. So shall I begin? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that was a very long question. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know where to start. So um, let's say, um, well, um, this is, this is a lot of redundance, uh, but I'm trying to, uh, I'll try to get a, a, a fresh start. So, um, I guess where I am today begin from, um, when I, when I left my hometown but actually began way before that, because when I was in high school, I, uh, I was always interested in the, there was two TV channels, uh, the TVK, uh, TV Khmer, always have their program from Japan about farming with technology and um, robotic, basically thing that move by itself. And, I was struck by those and and at the same time I was interested in the flying machine, like flying flying thing, flying bicycle, flying boats, um, thing that fly. Um, and so when I was in, in my um, high school, um, there was a program that offered to uh, go study scholarship in Japan. Um, I was like, this is my dream come true. But for some reason, because I live in the countryside far away, uh, most of the information didn't didn't get there. And so I was late in, in applying for the scholarship. And so I had to wait for graduate from high school and then try another one. Um, but because of the same reason, I did not get a scholarship to study in, in even in Phnom Penh. Because uh, in, in the time that I was studying, I only heard about two universities. And these two were all private. And I thought they are the only university in Cambodia. So when I arrived, the university uh, cost high. And so I, my parents could not pay um, at the time. So they suggest that I can find a cheaper um, tuition fee college and study English. It was uh, advised by a monk because at the time I was, um, when I moved to Phnom Penh, I, I, I live in a pagoda. Uh, fast forward two years, um, um, within that two years of living in a pagoda, I did so many things, active and especially read books. So I think the turning point in my life at the time was finding uh, many good books, 
uh, ambition book, uh, ambitious uh, biography people uh, was written. And I never heard, I never know about how book can benefit um, the mind very much. So throughout two years can you of, mention, of reading, can you mention a few of the books that you um, that you read where they were you know very formative? Yeah, so um, one of the book was uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, that that somehow turned me uh, into a bit greedy person. Um, not not a mistake of the book, but for my in, in for my own interpretation, uh, in, in interpretation. Um, I lost, I lost a lot of money. Uh, at the time, I lost only two, $1,200, but I only had $300. So um, to lose four times more than what you have is a lot. <laughs> and I was 19. So, um, so I just wanted to be rich at the time because I was living in Pagoda, see all the poverty, see uh, drug usage, uh, gambling, so the only the only thing I thought was like if I have the money, if I only have more money, then I could leave the place and then find my own place, like rent a big house or rent a house at least, and uh, not have to live out the door, in the city. Um, so the other book that I read was um, a collection of biography of all the not all like of a scientist in the 18th, 17th century. Uh, mathematicians, physicists, um, biologists, uh, other scientists, and um, a few of them was was like becoming my hero. And I want, I just wanted, to, I just wanted to become like them. One of them was a uh, Lebanese uh, from Germany. Um, so about half a year, I would just study mathematics, and I just want to be like him, like mathematician. I thought. I thought it was the, the best, the best job in the world uh, is to do math. And so I just do math all the time. And I didn't go to school. I just like, I just tried to invent new, new formula of mathematics. And I thought like, it was crazy to think back because I would, I would, I would sit on a beach because when I go home, uh, my home um, is an island and uh, not an island in the ocean, but in the river. Uh, one side of the island has has a uh, when it when it when the water goes down it has the uh, sands and beach and so I would write down on the sand for like three hours and uh, try to figure out um, solution of uh, an, of an exercise from from the solution to to the question that was that was my my thing it's like re reengineer kind of uh, solution reengineer kind of um, method I like to I like to look at at some one solution and then try to arrive at the original question or original quest um, of thing. And uh, that, was, that was the thing that actually um, stayed with me until now. When I see things that work, I want to see thing, I want to see be all the way to the original, why, why they do what they do, why, why it become what it become. Um, so, uh, but the, the the goal to study mathematics at the time was to uh, take exam and and get a scholarship to study in Japan. I failed that because my English was so bad. Uh, they they I finished like two level of, of exam, pass all, and then the later the last one was to take an exam in 
at a Japanese embassy uh, where all the uh, exercise, all the question uh, written in English. <laughs> and I was just like, okay, I'm out. I can't do this. I can't understand anything. Um, yeah. And, and so all of this was, was basically, I think, the, the first layer of my foundations uh, when it comes to thinking and strategic thinking and forward thinking. Um, and then um, one, one, uh, another turning point was when I lost my money. Um, I was fooled by the internet. I thought, um, I, I discovered internet um, in February 2005. Um, as the first thing that was struck me was Skype. Um, the idea, Skype and Yahoo Messenger. The idea that you can talk to anyone anonymously, and uh, you can call anyone from the internet, from the computer. Uh, at the time, like Nokia was the only phone I ever heard, and you can call from Nokia to Nokia, but like this time, you can call from a computer to a phone. It's like this is amazing, mm -hmm. and especially you can call to someone else across the world, and you can see their face. So that was that was a Skype thing, and and I was signed up to a Microsoft. Excel and Microsoft Word uh, course, but I couldn't I couldn't help myself from from browsing the internet and not studying Word Excel. And so the teacher always hit my head and say, "Go back, focus." But I always click on the Internet Explorer because they taught on Microsoft, and so I always do like click on Internet Explorer, and they don't work because the the computer was not connected to the internet. There was no Wi-Fi. And so when they when they free when they free me for ten hours to do internet, I just sucked into it. Like I create all the account I can create. I find I find everything I could I could find, uh, especially Wikipedia and how like Wiki how uh, how to be a mathematician, how to be a philosopher, how to be a how to be whatever how to be you can say you can type and it come out. I I type all of that and then print it out. Um, it took me about a year and a half to 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 read all of that. But that after when I lost money on the internet lottery, quite embarrassing. But the only the only mistake that I made um, that that stayed with me um, all my life, and I never lose money again with with such thing. Like it taught me one thing greatly: the greed and ambition. Like it is, it is okay to be ambitious, but it's not okay to be greedy. Um, because when we are greedy, we just want to get it um, blindly and um, irresponsibly. Like we don't care about what others do, what others receive, what other, what, what affect others. So these are the two main foundation that helped me to become, to, uh, uh, to, to be who I am. Um, and yeah, and I started um, to to explore business venture since um, around 2006 when I decided to take a break. Like after I discovered the internet, the power of it, and the computer, um, and the book that I read, the suggestion was that if if I want to find myself, um, I need to do it. Not and then, and then maybe I learned along the way. And also it didn't help 
that I stay in school because most of the time when I spend time in school, I was not enjoyed. I was not happy uh, in the class. Uh, I end up spending more time in the library, read all the book, borrow most of the book that I can read, except economic and um, statistic. So I read, I finished most of the book in the library of my school and then I quit and I just read book from the internet and article from Wikihow, Wikipedia. Um, yeah, and uh, I start my first business in uh, real estate um, when, all, when I lost all my money. And uh, it worked. I mean, uh, starting business with when you have money, it's not working. It, it doesn't work because where you, you, you I, I, at least it was me, um, um, you feel like you have money, so you would spend the money. But if you start a business without money, you you find the best um, the best way possible, um, the most creative way to to make money to survive, and at least to survive. Most people start a business to to to, to get rich, um, and so they they get too much money, and then they get drunk with the money, and forget the most important task, which is to, to survive and uh, build up the foundation of the, the idea or, or the business itself. Um, this is my conclusion actually, uh, because I started, uh, most of my business that I started from mostly from the idea and take a long time. It take two years to, it take two years to uh, mature and then to uh, about a year after to launch. Um, starting from like the, the very basic of idea with a clear mission uh, and problem to solve and just stick to it for a long time, a long, long time. Okay, and um, just w when, was, when was the point that you really got uh, interested within the, within the technology sector specifically? And when was, that, when was that moment that you said, you know, I wanna be a CTO, I wanna be a builder and I wanna really become, uh, really uh, educated on on tech specifically i never thought i want to become a cto or a ceo or anything like that i am um, i'm in love with um starting starting thing like starting thing hiring thing or building a team and then find the leader to 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 be the cto or ceo um the first thing that come to my mind was um i think around 2009 when I felt that I was lonely because I started my, my project in real estate and uh, tourism, cycling around Cambodia, uh, and then people want to come with me and they just pay me the money. Um, and then I joined, um, I joined an organization called Pepe. And so at Pepe, um, I had a lot of time to explore myself uh, because they pay me like $300 a month or so to work for three weeks. And then uh, one week, I just work on my real estate project. And uh, they have fast internet. That was the, that was the plus. And then, so I just spent time there exploring so many things. Uh, I found uh, Bitcoin um, around 2010 because I spent... Uh, uh, at night, nobody used their use the internet, so I just hook the network to my computer, and then uh, get all the internet for myself from from like six p.m. to three p.m. 
And, um, but back then I still not really know what technology, like why I should be a technology. Um, uh, but one night when I cycle um, with my friend who, who, was a, who is a Burmese um, refugee to Cambodia, um, graduated from uh, Singapore University in mechanical engineer, but he make money from Pythoning. And um, that day around 2000, end of 2009 or early 2010, he told me that um, in, the, in, the, in the next five years, uh, those who cannot program will be will equal to not knowing one language. And I thought, that's a good idea because I spend time all the time with the computer. So um, I should learn some, some language. And uh, for some reason, I stuck with Python. And so I think from 2010 onward, I want to involve in technology I want to be part of the move. I don't know what is the what, what the move gonna be like, but something with technology would be would be fun. And um, I never dream of becoming a CTO or CEO or any sort of that. Um, I just want to work with with people that maybe um, they have their own idea and I can help them and work with them. And that's that's a right to become small world today. Um, at the time, I thought it would be nice to have a place that those uh, different people come together, and then I can I can pick the winner, I can pick the the best idea and work with them, and or or just watch them watch them uh, strive, watch them watch them grow. So um, I think around 2010, but those are like the background story. I speak too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, we really appreciate that insight. And what could be interesting to expand on to is what was it like starting your first company in Cambodia? Did you uh, receive any pushback, whether it's from friends or family for, uh, you know, either leaving university or uh, pursuing your passions in general? Um, for the first business, but not really the first business, I decided not to register. Um, and then take 10% uh, like the Christian does, take 10% of my income to uh, pay, to do something good, like hiring um, a villager to pick up trash in my hometowns and uh, have poor people here and there. Because um, at the time I made quite a bit of money, like a few thousand dollars a month as, as a dropout student um, from re renting houses to UNICEF staff UNDP staff and all of the UN branch staff because they, they would pay like $2,000 a month on a house. And if they pay 2,000, I would make 1,000 minimum. Uh, if they contract five years, then I make two, I make one month uh, of, of rent. And then, and like I rent about one, two house uh, a month, uh, at least, at least one house a month. So, um, the first one was not difficult because I was just me and my parents did not take any money from me. It was just for me to survive and learn in the real world. Um, spend part, the other part of the money was spending on club and drinking, learning how the rich kid spend money. That was, that was my purpose. Like I went to all the club possible. They just want to know how rich people spend money. 
And uh, that was quite rewarding. But then I got trapped because um, after you go to too many clubs, you realize that you like you like to go clubbing because that's <laughs> that's, what, that's what you can do. So no I got problem. trapped. About, <laughs> I got trapped in the in the in the circle for about two years. Um, but then the real company I get started was Small World um, because Tosna and and uh, Pro Cambodia was was just something I do for fun and I did some uh, as as an opportunist. Um, like something that come to me and I, I do sim, uh, simple and easy and make enough money to survive and have fun. Small world was something that around 2011, I had the urge to come back to Plumping and then do something meaningful. That was like the thing. But I thought if I do that thing, I have, I have to do it for maybe five years. Like previously, I don't care about years. I just do month to month, month to month. And then uh, I thought, if, I, if I'm going to do that, I need to go travel for about six months. So I took a break, went to work in America um, at a summer camp, spent most of my money that I saved from real estate. Uh, after six months, uh, travel across partly part of America. Um, that's how I got to uh, Natural Bridge at uh, Virginia, in Virginia, nice. <laughs> and um, went all the way to Tennessee, and then flew out to uh, Middle East, stopped by in Sri Lanka, uh, come to Thailand, travel in Southeast Asia, and then realized I only have $1,600 left to start a company. Um, the house rent was $1,500 a month, and then the deposit was $4,500 uh, uh, deposit, so I didn't have I didn't have money to pay for the first for the first month because deposit was too expensive. But then, because because of the urge, um, it it gave me a lot of push. And I have so many people say many things. Uh, my my family just want me to go to work, but they they know that I don't have good degrees, so um, they just want me to get a job that paid three hundred four hundred dollars a month or maybe 250, that's fine too. But I thought I could live with nothing. I could live with like almost no money. And uh, why should I have to make all of this money? And so I decided to pursue the, the business by convincing three other friends to join and then convince the landlord to, to lend me $1,500 of yeah, to lend me 1,500. Uh, instead of taking my deposit, he doesn't take deposit and he lend me 1,500. And then I pay him for the first month, 500, 500, 500. Um, and then do some small fundraising here and there through crowdfunding to survive small world for about four months, actually five months. And then um, I took back tourism, cycling about two, three times a year. Uh, make some money, like a few thousand dollars to bring back to Small World and pay the rent. The first year, uh, the three three members have paid the rent uh, slightly and and uh, just keep going. Mm -hmm. But so, luckily yeah. we had that, we had the landlord to, to lend us the money. Without him, we won't be able to start Small World. 
Yeah, it's pretty incredible too how you went from looking at the situation of I'm going to have to put down this large deposit and this rent and just completely flipped it on itself to have the landlord be the one to actually uh, lend you the money. And <laughs> so that's a, it's honestly true entrepreneurial spirit. <laughs> but it, it took me 21 days, mm -hmm. 21 days, almost every day to, to meet him until he like get bored of my face. And I have one tape measurement, a five, five meter tape measurement, just go and measure the house and say, oh, this, I will put the whiteboard here, I will put here and there, just like purely um, dream, yeah. nothing concrete. And then he, I don't know what he, what he think. One day we, we put him to sit down on the floor and just say, I really want to do this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it may be good. It may be good for a lot of people yeah. Um, so if, if he can just lend us the money, mm -hmm. it might work out. Well, in, in that case, as you know, small, you know, as we're going through the, uh, kind of your timeline in 2013, you started coding gate. Would you be able to talk to us a little bit about the background of coding gate and how you got mm -hmm. it started? So, um, coding gate was, uh, starting, uh, with a friend of mine who studied with my sisters uh, in Czech and he came back, he looked for something to do. Um, at the time, he was teaching at a university uh, while coming to Small World, helping me with some technology, like some servers, some, some training um, for, for the tech student. Um, about early 2013, somebody suggested me to a, 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 an NGO school called Pastoral Numeric. And so I thought, oh, that would be nice uh, to have those students do internship with your company with us for about three months. And so uh, they were uh, assigned to do a simple website, copy TEDx. And so this guy working for three months, um, with about one hour of computer time per week, I guess, to build a website. And to me, I thought, this is incredible. This guy only have one hour of computer time per week to build the website um, after like less than three weeks. Um, and then I told Mongol, the co-founder of CodingGate, that this guy is amazing, um, you should meet them. And so uh, he mentored them and for a couple of, um, week later, we come to an idea of computer exchange program for someone who want to build a website. Uh, we will build for them for free, but they have to first buy um, three of two or three computer for the student, and they will build a they build a website for for them. Uh, luckily, I met um, somebody from. Uh, Netherlands, uh, and they got interested and they wanted to do their, their website, update their website for their project in Netherlands. And, and so they paid in computer. And uh, from then on, we, after a few months, we get like certain computer and then we employ certain people to start building outsourcing company. Um, it was so exciting. Like it, it was I don't know whether that was the opportunities or it was just like pure luck or it's just the right timing. Um, 
um, but thing was like working together together so perfectly like a puzzle come together um, that's how coding get started and and it started until now but I, I don't I'm not involved with coding gate in a day-to-day -day basis since the, the early 2014 uh, because coding gate grew to a point that I could not help very much on a day-to-day -day basis and I was in my zone of Bitcoin at the time <laughs> like <laughs> I was into Bitcoin so much that I don't care very much about other business um, and I was studying technology like I read white paper after white paper um, and research after research about the thing and I was into Python and scripting too and uh, the team was uh, doing a lot of work related to website, especially uh, WordPress based website. And to me, like after I got so I got I got bored of so many things so quickly, like if something happened at the same time after six months, I get bored. And, and so I want to do something new. And so um, I give um, I give all the right decision to Mongol and the team to do coding gate the way the way they see the future coding gate and then i just focus on on uh, uh linux uh, which at the time i start to i already started to explore building computer operating system for for my own uh for since since 2011. um since the start of small world actually but then the the real start was around august 2013 um a little bit before uh coding gate I started to, I made a conclusion that I should make uh, one operating system um, that I can count on. And I can feel that this is something I can, I prove myself that um, I can build an operating system based on Linux. And so um, around 2000, early 2014, after um, I let coding get um, to, to the co-founders and the team, um, but I still involved on the on the like shareholder level, and I just focus on Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin on a on an OTC like traveler that come to Cambodia and have Bitcoin to sell. I just buy with a little bit of money that I have. Like Bitcoin at the time was like two hundred eighty dollar, two hundred fifty dollar, and and they, they they won one hundred and thirty three dollar and. And then I say, okay, so send me the money, send me the coin, and I give you the money right in front of. They had to come and meet me to get the cash, and then I get the coin. And and the other one, I I did programming related to Python, um, trying to understand scripting with with with, uh, with Bitcoin. Hmm. Um, and and of course computer programming, uh, operating systems uh, development. And I get my brother, little brother, to 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 come and um, let him use the computer and and try to hack his system and basically try to understand how how um, how I can invade other people's computer. Um, Why were so you I just control? Yeah. What was yeah. your initial interest into Bitcoin and how did that foundation of blockchain of cryptocurrency? set the, I guess, set the timeline for you to be able to, um, looking into creating companies, you're, the companies that you're working are 
have founded today and working at today, such as Kumpi and Salandra and those organizations. Um, I think it's very interesting that during that time, uh, whether, you know, around 2013 to 2015, it was a, still a pretty nascent topic and, uh, and it wasn't as mainstream as it is today. So it would be really interesting to hear what your initial interest was into learning about the blockchain and Bitcoin and then kind of how tying that together with um, the companies that you've uh, founded today. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, the early, early time was around 2000. I think early 2011 or late 2010, um, when I discovered the, uh, um, I don't know how I get that, but I I bought my first 11 inch or 10 inches Asus computer from America, brought back brought back by my friend, and uh, it had Windows on. And so I tried to get Windows out and install one two eight or something. And then uh, from there, I, just, I I was like sucked into open source world and um, arrived because when you go on the internet at the time, and I was so new um, still, I just keep going, clicking link, I, I like link after link, link after link from Wikipedia. Uh, so I did not know how to read Wikipedia online because uh, for example, there's so many links on Wikipedia. I just click on one link after another and then, and then after like 20 minutes, I have like 20 pages open and have to read <laughs> them all. And each of the page has so many other links. And so after, I don't know, maybe three months or so, um, I got into, um, I don't know where it was exactly, but I get the Bitcoin software to run on my computer and it burned my hard drive. It, it, it burned my hard drive. Was it just the it's computing stuck. software that was, yeah. that was yeah. just too much for the computer to handle at the time? Yeah, yeah. My, it was an Asus slower than computer day. Uh, but Bitcoin was small at the time, so I can still run. It's just not as powerful as the other computer that was uh, uh, mining. So I run the Bitcoin software. I tried to do a full node. I did not understand. I did not understand a thing about it. I just, I just like command line here and there, and it worked. Uh, if you ask me how it worked, I did not know how it worked. It's just like, I I get it worked, and it sucked my computer. Um, it sucked my computer CPU to a point that it was, it just stuck. I can't do very much. I push it down, forced to, forced to shut down, get it back again and it run again. And then like after several time, uh, I let it sit during the night and it's uh, the morning it burned. And so I thought, shit, <laughs> I don't know how much this cost. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what is this exactly. I didn't know even, the, I didn't even know the price of it. I didn't know what, what exactly it be it's just interesting and so um then i i lost a computer that cost four hundred dollar and i said this is this is something that i don't want to get involved anymore and then i i left it and i just bought a new new hard drive get my computer back to work luckily it only burned my hard drive and then um and then in 2011, when I started Small World, a year after when I started Small World, that was that was more prominent. Uh, one guy, I don't know who that was, sent me a link called weusecoin.com. 
that we use coin explain in video i mean a year after it explained what is bitcoin and bitcoin you can mine on a computer and you don't need visa card yeah, it's just like money like the video was futuristic and um i did not understand i didn't understand and at the time i didn't have the money to buy because i only started i only just started small world and so uh it keep me interested about what exactly it is because after that people just send me different links related to bitcoin here and there um yeah early than 13 and better than 12 um I get to know a Cambodian-American guy who also interested in Bitcoin, but he also has account on Coinbase. I think at the time it was already 2013. So he, he was talking about Bitcoin. I said, shit, you talk about Bitcoin too. I, I know about this thing, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to get it. And then he said, just get a wallet and then uh, give me the money I can buy for you. Uh, but it would cost like $20 extra because of the fee thing. And so I would buy like half a Bitcoin at the time because like it cost, the price was fluctuated a lot, but a lot of the time was not $10,000. A lot of the time was like $10, $20. If I buy the wrong time, then I don't have the coin, uh, enough coin that I have, uh, that, that, that I plan to buy. Um, so I started to buy a little bit here and there and then realized that I wouldn't be able to set up any account um, that, but fast forward about 2013 in the end, um, when we started CodingGate, CodingGate had the idea, uh, I think early 2014 already, CodingGate had the idea of um, working with Wing to send message, uh, to help Wing send money with text messages um, without much, without like rely on vendor. And so um, Wing said no, Wing manager said no. And for some reason, I did not involve in the discussion, Mongol did. And uh, it made me a bit upset. And so I did some research about internet credit. Like I should be able to make an internet credit. And it's like, what internet credit is a cryptocurrency. <laughs> and so it <laughs> lead me back to Bitcoin. And so like, I can't get out, I can't get away from this stuff. And so, then I decided to okay, let me suck in, let me suck into it, and then it brought me to like Ethereum and all of that. So Ethereum was launched around, uh, I don't know, 2015 or so, um, early 2015, and but I couldn't get into Ethereum because my Bitcoin was still super super low, mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't be able, I, I couldn't buy their their fundraising. The, the ICO, um, they raised 18 million at the time. But I follow all of that. And then I had a little bit of Bitcoin with me. When Ethereum launched around 2016, January, I remember January something in 2016, Ethereum was like 0.90 cents. At the first time was 0.56 cents on Polonex back then. But I had so little Bitcoin to buy. Uh, but at the time, like it was 300 Ethereum, and then um, about a minute later, it went up to like 96 cents. And then I said, oh, it went up to $1. Oh, I should sell. And then we sold. There was people writing smart contract on Ethereum and then like make hundreds of millions of dollars. 
the first one was DAO, the DAO that 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 helped sponge the Ethereum Classic, and then they they split blockchain into two: one uh, reverse history called Ethereum right now, and then the one that stay real, uh, true, original Ethereum called Ethereum Classic. And so I saw all of that, and when when they when they split, I got double, and then my money doubled. But still, compared to those who write smart contract, they like they raise 70, 30 million, 30, 40 millions and all that. And and for example, Zcash, Zcash was launched in October 2016, and I saw it launching. And I had all the idea. I had I had I had one thing less. Uh, the team was so young. My team was so young. Like they all not knowing anything. So I decided to give, to get them interested, like me, by giving the Bitcoin. I gave them $25 to $50 per person and then other people too. I had an, I had an idea of printing a wallet and a uh, paper wallet with, with Bitcoin address on and um, send some Bitcoin on that address on paper and then give it to them. And this, this, this is your wallet. And this is the private key. This is the, uh, uh, not, this is, this is the private key, the seed and like basically create a wallet and a security for people and give them money. But they don't know that was money. They just know that this is a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, but looking back, you know, those $25 that mm -hmm. I gave them, um, some now was like $4,500. When it went to $58,000, mm -hmm. I think it went all the way to $7,000. Some mm -hmm. of them, most of them lost those money. Um, uh, some of them converted to other coin. And so go back to your question. I don't know where I got this started, but I cannot get out. Yeah. I, I cannot get away from it. Uh, something always bring me back. Right. So that's that, that how... But but I think I think what I what, what we do today come from um, um, watching how blockchain has become and compared to, compared to the internet in the mid ninety and and today and blockchain now compared to mid ninety and 20, 20 years from now um, and uh, what what I see missing is that uh, there are not much use case out there there are not much use case at all. Uh, most blockchain are only focus on cryptocurrency alone. Some pro focus on protocol consensus, um, but still too far away from most user, uh, most uh, basic user. So what we try to do at Slendra is to bring blockchain much closer to mainstream user by integrating normal application into blockchain and utilize uh, blockchain economy to uh, token economy uh, to incentivize user and uh, share benefit. So this this is uh, I think this is keep me stick around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then with Kumpi as well, it is the product is providing laptops that are run on an open source platform. So inherently, they are a little bit uh, cheaper. Um, for students to be able to purchase. And what's interesting is if you could touch a little bit on this is this flywheel ecosystem that you're building on this open source platform between the applications, Lantra, between 
um, Kumpi as well. It's very interesting as students are going through university and they're learning about these systems. It's really um, pushing forward this technological adopt uh, adaptation to uh, move forward on this open source platform and the vision that you see in general. Yeah. So with Kumpi, um, with Kumpi, it started with my own desire um, that and an and and um, a conclusion that I could learn from computer. I could learn so many things that I that I know today from computer that connect to internet with the power of Linux uh, on top of that. So um, I believe that many young students out there uh, like me when I was young, uh, high school, junior high school, if given the opportunity uh, to use the tool, they would be able to, uh, to learn a lot more thing. And especially if they, if they start learning from the young age, like 12 years old, 13 years old, 14 years old, 15 years old, then by the time they are 20 years old, they already experiment, work with computer for like five, six, eight years. That's enough time to master something on computer, um, either that is programming or some presentation, some, I don't know, social media marketing, anything like that could work. Um, but also the idea that um, computer operating system has always been dominated by one main player, which is Microsoft. While the whole internet infrastructure built on top of Linux, um, the desktop user always rely on Microsoft, but the, the, the whole backbone of the world that run today, as we know, the, the connected world as we know today run on, uh, on open source Linux or Unix family. So, um we thought if 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 the the next generation of user would use Linux, it would be easier to, to to go to the internet, which is like the virtual world, virtual connected world um, that we most that we rely on heavily. Um, but also um we we had a we had a lot of issue hiring developer um that understand the system, the Anderson uh, open source and, and uh, uh, buy into open source philosophy. Um, so with Kumpi, we want to uh, build that as a tool for potential next generation of engineer and entrepreneur innovator that will use this as the stepping stone to achieve something greater, greater than what we can set. And we don't want to set the limit for them. We just want to give them the tool. Um, uh, luckily, most of the most of the thing we do, uh, most of the project that, that we do, kind of work together um, like a bicycle wheel. So, Kumpi uh, provide a platform on a, on, a, on an operating system level, where Kumpi um, teams and Kumpi developer outside developer can also develop more application that run directly and natively with Kumpi. Uh, Solendra is an extra um, uh, thing to add on top of Kumpi, making um, Linux-based operating system a blockchain-friendly uh, 
what we intend to do to to work uh, to in, incorporate these two together is to make a truly blockchain based operating system where a user for example apple has apple id and then it linked to all the apple product uh, but in the apple ecosystem uh, blockchain is an open ecosystem where anyone can go in or get out and at, at will so uh, we would like to integrate we would like to learn from apple how they do but then use blockchain as a as a global identity uh, to build a global identity where one person would have one wallet or one id that id can link to any of their um online uh, account uh, which owned by them not owned by us or apple um that store uh, securely uh privately um with the data that they want to show publicly uh, but anything that they don't want to show is belong to them um and, and so this this uh, uh ambition is to to first build the tool but then to also enable um um uh, power user that can benefit and share and incentive uh, receive and give incentive to each other okay and um and talk to us about how um like kumpi's traction within within cambodia so far what like how many um you know how many laptops are you managing to uh, get out to the local market and what's the uh what's the goal over the next few years um, like market share wise yeah so currently it's still very small uh small amount we only produce three thousand so far uh one uh, three two thousand of a uh, higher version and uh, one thousand of a smaller version which we plan to build about two hundred thousand more in the next three three years till 2023 um the the kickoff of Pumpy is ha, has been a bit bumpy, um, not as well as we thought uh, it could be, uh, because number one is it's a new system. Number two is a new company that trying to go into an old legacy control uh, business link uh, network. They 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 only uh, work together with that. So. Um, uh, we are still building our brand uh, that people trust. And so we invested heavily on uh, the device itself to partner with school that we think will have a, a highly um, likelihood to uh, for their student to buy Kumpi in the next one to two years from now. So we invested about 480 uh, first version computer, which costs quite a lot, to certain school, and um, we also build Compi uh, Lab with Raspberry Pi based uh, hardware um, as a desktop lab. So uh, we we've done that for a few schools, but uh, in general, we have signed MOU and uh, Memo. Uh, Global understanding um, with about, I think, four or six, 70 organizations, but there were 30 organizations, schools and companies and NGO organizations uh, that okay. potentially have. Sorry, yeah. Um, 
And uh, and yeah, and all, so so Kumpi, um, like you were saying, sort of fits well with uh, Solendra. And mm. just wanted to wanted to get your perspective on um, of all these businesses that you're involved in now. Yeah. Which of these has given you the most uh, like pleasure in its success, and which of which of these businesses are you most excited about moving forward? And are that and can you maybe even talk about some other some other sectors or verticals that you're interested in exploring? It seems like you've got a lot of bases covered within the entire sort of tech ecosystem but yeah. what, what other any other sort of areas that you're also interested in hmm. yeah so um the the project that take most of my times and give me most of my pleasure are kumpi Celendra, and vitamin air um these are the three companies that are three projects that that actually take most of my time and give most of my pleasure um a lot of reason to live by the three company. Um, um, the other company that or project that we involved are in healthcare service and publishing, um, and also uh, agriculture, mainly for bee pollinate, pollination and bee just started, not, not too far yet. Um, for, for healthcare, we have been invested in. We have invested in a, a small company, small project, small company, small team of ten um, that provide um, home care service to elder, wealthy, and middle class um, people in in Numping. So this project, um, not yet, give me much pleasure. Um, but it looked like a very good uh, project in, the, in going forward, like 10 years from now, uh, there are a growing, big, growing number of um, high class uh, and middle class people that will get busier and busier. And most of their um, parents get older that they need help with nursing home, like nursing at home, like nurse care at home. And so um, we look at big opportunity with this and uh, most of the project will eventually integrate it, integrate it with Slendra somehow in security wise, uh, IoT related wise um, or incentivization for the user. Um, the other one is publishing. Um, we, we saw a death at a dead industry where many things moving online uh, but there are in Cambodia, there are a lot more people still like to read uh, hardcover, but also we, we look at the potential to do uh, audio books and um, hosting book like online book um, community. Um, this company we have invested, we, we invested in, in them two years ago. Um, uh, still a very early stage, but they grow from tiny team Still tiny team, but big amounts of stock, stock and and sold close to um, hundred thousand book in the last two years. Um, bring in revenue almost half a million dollar, I think, and I have a resource, have a stocks in in house stocks about close to three hundred thousand dollar. I'm I'm quite. I'm very proud of this team because it's a small team, like three people, now only now four people in the team and uh, bring in this, this, um, 
this uh, revenue and and uh, help. Would you, would you describe it as as e-commerce? Like, or, or does it fit within e-commerce? Or am I am I missing that? Yeah, more more like a social commerce, but they don't do social commerce like they do community uh, books, and they they um, they work with author and new author to publish books. Uh, when when an author book selected by the team, uh, the author don't have to invest anything. The author will will just give the book, and most most design also designed by the team. Uh, book printing costs would be covered by the team. Selling marketing would be covered by the team, and then the book uh, the author receive I think forty percent or so from the sale. Um, and contract for one year, two year, or like up to 10,000 book or 20,000 book, depends on what they also want to do. Um, the goal for this project is to empower and encourage more people to share their idea in a book form. Um, because Cambodian, Cambodia has lost many knowledge um, in the Pol Pot time. Uh, not many people write a book and not many people share their experience. And if they share, they, do, do, they would do it in English. Um, those who survived uh, and ran away to America, Canada, or other places, they would share their experience in English, not much in Khmer. And then, so this this author uh, uh, written in Khmer, uh, in philosophy, science, um, um, novel, creative imagination. Yeah. So this this project work on that. Okay, understood. Yeah, well, well, so you've got bee pollination, publishing, blockchain, computers, uh, tech, well, tech development, consulting, uh, coding gates, and sort of your own venture capital operation slash uh, workspace, which is small world. Is that right? Yeah. And then, so, so let's fast forward to 2030. Where, where do you think and where do you hope some of these companies are? What, what are some, some long-term goals that you're sort of aiming towards and really want to achieve uh, within by then? Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to plan for, I don't want to speak for the, the team uh, very much. Um, but for example, with the uh, healthcare, provide, uh, home care providing service, um, we could see that there are not less than 5,000 people will need help uh, currently, even now, uh, not less than 5,000 people will need help at the, at the at their home uh, because most people need, need to go to work. Um, the problem with that is the team need to solve is a training nurse how to do work, how to do work at home with those middle-class family. Um, not less than 200,000 uh, home care needed in the next 10 years um, in Phnom Penh, Sinek, Wills, Siem Reaps, and Batambang, but majority would be in Nubin. For for the book, um, um, there's more things they dream out. I can't speak for them, uh, but I just want to see like a hundred also publishing uh, a book each, and then they become a uh, one of the um, member that push knowledge forward into digital and hard copy. Uh, for Kumpi, uh, we we envision to have one. 1 to 1.5 million people using Kumpi uh, services, hardware, notebooks, and um, maybe other services uh, related to 
blockchains and economics and commerce and app development through through Gumpi platform, Gumpi app store. Um, but mostly uh, empower one to 1.5 million people to use open source. And then we the join us as an army to promote um, open source to the world uh, from Cambodia. And starting to go to Southeast Asia part of the world, uh, South Asia, maybe Middle East, maybe Africa. Um, because by then, open source will be the only thing that people will talk about um, when it comes to platform. Microsoft will go to open source based on Linux. They already do. Um, but these, these are like number stuff. Um, what I really, really want to do, want to see is um, the re, uh, all of the successful company form up to a big crowds of happy, hopeful individual staff member and entrepreneur uh, that will join us to, um, to help reforest part of Cambodia with vitamin air. Because right now we have uh, 100 hectares of lands and we commit to reforest about 70% of the land. Um, and then 30% left would be uh, for natural farming, permacultures, tourism, ecotourism, and um, some res residentials um, with nature. So, so um, this is not going to happen in 10 years, but the, in 10 years, we want to have um, a pilot of about 20,000 hectares worth of uh, land size. Uh, covered by forests and managed by our technology, um, a, a UAV, um, unanimous uh, aerial um, vehicle, a drone that can capture different information on the forest and report on, on activity that is illegal to authority, um, capture different data from the forest and, and maybe do carbon trading as an income generation mechanism to reward to those who keep their, their uh, trees on the land. Um, so these are, these are things that I really want to see most, but, but to get there, we need to have uh, company that are successful in terms of financial economic, so that uh, people who are involved are not poor, uh, not too poor to, to, to make independent free decision because people tend to tend to agree to sing when they don't have enough money or fill their stomach. So uh, hopefully with Slendra success, with Gumpi success, uh, people who involve and their family who, who uh, distance from Gumpi uh, would benefit from this, uh, from, the, from the success and, and yeah. We have those people who then have similar idea that nature is important and uh, reforestation. Um, not, I'm not talking about global warming or global cooling or environmental issue or all of that. Um, the fact is that the, the world need more tree. Uh, the world need a lot of tree uh, because we need trees. Um, at least 
at least for our own sakes of like mental need. Um, if if you get so bored and so stressed, you get out of the house and you go to a forest, you you, you feel better. So uh, we just want to have a lot more trees. And starting from where we are now at Vitamin Air, uh, we would like to to um, convince or or help the government um, put more tree in the city. And hopefully by then in the next 10 years, uh, Cambodia, Phnom Penh in general, would have more tree along the road uh, as opposed to cut tree from the road. I, I think people, uh, uh, people might be upset with me when they hear about this, <laughs> but <laughs> everywhere we go now, uh, you see people cutting tree along the, the road in Phnom Penh uh, to, keep the, to keep the building standing or to keep the cable uh, stay because they afraid that if uh, big wind come, big storm, then the tree branch would fall down and then the cable would break or the building would damage and all of that. Uh, but we want to change this mindset to keep more trees uh, along the road so that we have better, cooler road to walk and to drive. Mm-hmm. And to touch back on uh, around the tech ecosystem in Cambodia, what do you think is the number one challenge for uh, technology startups in Cambodia? Um, I think I think knowledge about technology itself is, is a challenge. Most people are, um, uh, I mean, when I say about this, it's a bit contradict, um, uh, contrarian to to majority of the, the population. Um, I think most people want to do technology startup without knowing technology, without no without investing time in 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 research and study a bit deeper about the technology they are going into. Like they speak about data science, they speak about. Uh, IoT, they speak about e-commerce. Most people speak about all of those because it's trendy and not because they, they understand what it, what it could do and, and what the, what, what the uh, negative impact if treated badly. Um, uh, misuse of the information, misuse of the, uh, of the business model or misuse of things would be bad. Uh, but most people are not willing to spend enough time, not even like two hours a day deeper to understand the tech part of it in order to run the company um, or, or to start the company, not even run. Um, and, and, and so that is a big, I think that is one of the biggest uh, obstacles. And then the other one is, is the, the thinking is still small. The thinking is still limited local. Um, we have more people thinking local and, um, and, and, and try to do global. Um, I would say think global, but then um, make local impact with, or, or make local uh, activity. For example, our goal uh, at Kumpi is to, to go, out of the, go out of Cambodia to the world, uh, but we will focus in Cambodia for the next five years. At, at, until until we get a critical mass in Cambodia, until we build an army of developer in Cambodia, 
that could help us build more um, sophisticated technology um, and applications, uh, useful applications, and, and solve so many more bugs that we have now. There's so many bugs that we have now that we don't have a hand to solve. And then so if, if we go to like, if we go to other part of the world, then we will just create more problem and bad, bad reputation for ourselves. So stick in Cambodia until we feel really good. Um, we feel really confident. And if we have enough resources to back up, then we go. What, what, um, about, what about some other areas? Like, um, so you're saying like the overall, there needs to be a lot more education on just technology and, uh, you know, applying it to businesses and the efficiency that that can create. But what about things like regulation, access to capital, maybe overall human capital here? What, what, are, some th- what are some roadblocks have, that have hit you along the way that, that have stopped you from getting to where you want to be or, or like not reaching some of your milestones? Yeah, I think uh, access to capital is um, also another part. But when we, when we, when we pass the, um, the pilot stage, most people are not yet doing pilot stage and they're already looking for capital with this. It's not going not gonna to happen for, for, for really good investors. Um, but um, for example, policy, um, policy has, has, has a drawback. Uh, in, most, in most cases, anywhere in the world, policy always works slower than innovation. Um, they say regulation always slower than, than innovation. So yes. if they are really a technology company, they don't have to care about regulation very much. Of course, they have to think about it, uh, legality. Like they, they have to think about not hurting other people with their technology. And if it doesn't hurt other people, then do it until, until um, the regulation catch up and then we discuss and find a solution because the intention is there. We're not there, we're not here, we're not created a, a company to hurt the economy. We, we create a company to create job, bringing more income and do things that is like helpful to society anyway. So um, I still have problem with regulation and all of that. If, if, if regulator would understand our, our, our difficulty, it will be, be very, very helpful and Kumpi could grow 10 times now. Um, I mean, 10 times compared to now. But it is what it is. Um, I'm not going to blame very much, but I, I shout out sometimes to some policy maker to point out to something that they could maybe do. Uh, but I'm, I don't rely on policy. Uh, I don't think startup technology startups should rely on policy to make them thrive. Of course, better policy, supportive policy would help them thrive faster, but every country has their roadblock. For, and for what, about, what about the, um, the investment community here? I mean, you've, you know, you've been in the startup space for, for such a long time now. How have you seen that develop? And are you seeing more activity, whether it be you know, incubators, VCs, private equity, um, you know, um, angels, where, 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 where do you find the most, uh, best place to tap, the best place to tap if, you, if you're a startup? Um, honestly, I don't involve very much about that with that anymore. Um, but I see the growing 
number of um, capitals um, and venture capital in Cambodia. Um, what you do with Obo, um, Smart Exeta, um, Sadif Fund, um, and a few other like like Bellin Roads and all of that. Um, yeah. But but I think there there is a need for a seed round investment, um, a more riskier investments from five thousand to twenty five thousand or maybe to fifty thousand um, dollar are not there. Uh, yeah, this, this, this is too small for a lot of people to invest, and it's too big for angel investor to jump in. Um, most venture, most angel investor don't understand venture angel investing. Um, it is very risky, and and um, most investor in Cambodia, I think, still think mm, very uh, old school in a way. Um, so not not giving the, and 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 also they don't have background in technology to to offer to um to the startup founder to the team um about what they should do anyway um so the lag is there and i see personally i see the next generation of founder which is the current generation my generation and uh, one below uh, could will grow maybe three, five years from now, would be able to give the right um, advice um, to founders. Currently, we don't have much uh, to, don't have much, many people that have real experience in, in, in technology, successful technology startup to give the advice. And, and Ruby, yeah, following up on that, what, what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions investors slash observers of Cambodia have and how how are you trying to change this? I think they they either think that startup should become like Facebook or startup should become like a coffee shop. <laughs> it's, yeah. No middle ground. Yeah. Yeah. So so for example, um when I say startup should become like a coffee shop, it's like a, a um, they think that if they invest in this company, they should have a revenue, they should have a dividend, they should have like something in return so quickly. So there's a coffee shop model because there's so many coffee shops. That's why I say coffee shop, um, restaurant and coffee shop and all of that. But the other part is um, they would ask like, they, 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 would, they would assume that the technology they invest in could become like Facebook. It's like nobody could nobody could become Facebook. Only Facebook is Facebook, um, and and only Telegram, Telegram. They have to do something else. Um, they have to do something beyond majority that over, that are overlooked. Um, and and so most most investor has this uh, I think mindset. Um, what what we do what we do here with Small World is try to be. Try, try to stay true and real uh, to the needs of each individual entrepreneur. We don't, we don't expect any startup to become like any other startup. Uh, each individual startup has their own needs and has their own contribution to make. And, and so we, we, we encourage them to, to look into themselves more and forget about competitors and, and look for co collaboration more over competitions um, 
if they can collaborate, then they burn less cash on marketing um, and focus more on the core value they can provide to their um, to their user, reader, um, customer, or service provider. So, uh, yeah, but we're still very small. I mean, small world is tiny compared to, let's say, Oboe and other uh, company uh, when it comes to investing in, 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 in uh, early stage company. But we we uh, handpick handpick founder and team and uh, nurture them for quite some time uh, with a little bit of investment at the start or no investment at all, more like a sweat equity. And if if they grow without needing the investment from small world and without giving this equity to small world, that's okay too. Um, the goal is to grow successful community of startup. Uh, in the last four years alone, by now we have 14 company in our portfolio. In on the small world website, you only saw maybe you only see six because I'm very bad at updating and doing uh, PR um, on a site. So when people go to small world website, they see four or four or six web, six uh, uh, company portfolios. Tosna has has not been doing well because of COVID. Um, but for example, uh, Solandra is 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 happening, has been happening for for the last three years, but we don't put it out there. Uh, because the investment, for example, investment in Solentra exceed $100,000. And that is cash. But then when we talk about sweat equity that put into it for three years with a team of four or five working night and day, that's a lot. That's, that's a lot. Um, but then when we talk, when we look at um, other startups that, that do not much and then they, they market outside, um, I mean, we don't say the, the way we do is the is the right way. It just it just that maybe we miss the opportunity uh, by market ourselves sooner. Yeah, just quickly, I I really do um, agree that the sweat equity model is is a very good approach. I, just to clarify, Obor as well, we we also um, will venture build and do sweat equity, um, and yeah. of the of the other private equity VC firms that we're aware of in the market, we're the we're the only well. We're the only ones um, within our sort of grouping that, that do that. But like you said, you're also doing that. I think there's a few other players that maybe do it as well, but you, they don't maybe mark, they don't really do much with PR and marketing, but they're just there in the background and, yeah. they're, and they're doing it, right? So I think, I think those people, those people are the one that do uh, work, uh, that, that, work uh, that do work that matter. Um, and, and, and actually, actually real stuff. Um, that is maybe useful or maybe maybe good for for business model um, or good business model or just an okay business model uh, because it's 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 a it's a try it's a trial and error. So I would love to like work and partner with those people who stay in the background more. Not that we have to stay in the background too too much, but those people actually um, building things. Yeah, they they almost don't have time to um to shout about how great they are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're too busy that's, doing great things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I like I like partner with those. Mm -hmm. 
And that's definitely what we're trying to highlight here on the podcast as well, to be able to bring to light a lot of these operators that are working behind the scenes, but creating something really great. And you know, between the reforestation, open source, working with operators in the ecosystem and the other projects that you're working on, I think that we'll definitely have to have another conversation in the near future to hear about all of the, these developments uh, because they sound very exciting. Um, our yeah. traditional closing question that we have for uh, our guests is, what is the most important advice that you have ever been given? I don't like to give advice to people because my advice sometimes is too harsh. Um, <laughs> but I, I like to be sweet. Uh, I mean, um, I'm going to be sweet. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, by now, like after I got, I got burnt out, several times from the work that I do and the people that I work with. Um, I think um, looking at the world the way it is and seeing the way the way they are um, would help would help a person live their life more um, tasteful and uh, don't try to be someone else um, define our own success. Um, and live, be live below our mean. Like um, I spend a, a lot less than most CEO in in uh, Cambodia. Um, we don't have to compare to the world. And this is not to brag that I spend a lot less. Uh, while I run three companies, so um, I think I think uh, if we start a project or we work on a company uh, to enrich ourselves, then we will miss out the opportunity to make money and to, to, to make money as a tool to achieve our, our greater goal. Um, so would, would, I would suggest um, people to start working on their project or thing they do from, from their heart. Or, or if, they, if they don't know whether that is what they want to do, um, work as hard to provide service or value to the thing they do uh, rather than just ask first. Like most, most oh, some people I know would ask first how much they get. And uh, looking back, I never asked how much I get. I would, I would ask for less for what I do. Um, when they give me more. But if they give me another, another thing I learned uh, is that to accept what the universe decide to give us. If they give $100, take it, say thank you. If they give $1,000 tip, take it, say thank you, and then take that $1,000 to give to other people. Because when we learn to give, we, when we learn to receive, we learn to give. Uh, but if we receive and we don't give, then we, we are not the mechanism to make the world move. So uh, that's what I learned and uh, I'm trying to improve and practice every day and practice selfless meditation, like everything I own, everything I have, including my body and me, my emotion is not me. <laughs> it's a bit like monk. <laughs> <laughs> but, that, but that helped me free from like, short-term failure or uh, loss, short-term loss. Because in the end, 
20 year, 30 year, 50 year, when we are 80, 90 years old, everything we, we make, most of the thing we make doesn't really, most of the thing we, we generate doesn't matter. The matter is, um, uh, most of the thing we lost, most of the thing we, we missed, not really matter. Um, if we treat it well, it becomes a good lesson and a good experience, life experience. But um, think about what we received and think about the experience we have. And so these are more important. Yeah, so that's, that'll be, I don't know, I go all, all over the place. My, my brain does not really stay in one place. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that is also why part of why you're such a phenomenal entrepreneur in the ecosystem and really creating awesome uh, products to help drive innovation forward in the country. I really liked that you phrased it as viewing money as a tool to continue to build greater value for the things that you do. And I think that's super important, especially in the, if you're given something, you should definitely pay it forward as well um, in order to keep growing the ecosystem and to keep, keep growing yourself and all those around you too. Yeah. Um, well, I think on that note, um, we're, uh, it would be a great place to, to end the conversation and we really appreciate your time and all of the insights and, and everything sounds very exciting what's going on and, uh, between Kumpi and the other projects that you're working on. So we look forward to seeing how everything develops. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I'm excited. I'm, I mean, it made me excited to talk to the two of you. Uh, because it, it just conversations and um, discussions on something that that we, we can share. Um.